We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Doom and gloom and misery here at Spectrum Center. Last one here in January of 2017. But that ugly bender is all over for Wes Unsell Jr. And the Washington Wizards. They improved to 5-6 and six on the year. And they snapped the Hornets' nine-game mastery of them here at Spectrum Center. The Hornets still have three more opportunities to get it back as the regular season unfolds. Right. Welcome, Hornets fans. This is Richie, and we are back for another post-game Buzz beat. I'll be joined by Spencer tonight following the loss to the Wizards. As we get into this, I wanted to get our usual plugs in. Be sure to give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcast. I know we really love reading those reviews to get a good understanding on what you guys enjoy about our podcast. Uh, it definitely makes us feel good when we get a chance to read those. Also, visit buzzbeat.substack.com to learn more about BuzzBeat+. Plus. You can always start off as a free subscriber and then go from there. Spencer, how's it going? I saw you were at the uh, the Panthers game in Cincinnati. How was that? Yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> no, it was fun. You know, it was a good time. Uh, it's probably the only Panthers game I'll get to this year. I'm in Cincinnati uh, today and tomorrow uh, for work, so came up a day early check out the Panthers. You know, they were frisky in Atlanta, so I kind of made a last-second last, last second decision to come up. And they were not frisky yesterday, Richie. Not not really at all. So <laughs> I picked the wrong game, clearly. Anyway, Cincinnati is a really cool town. I, I like it. I've been up here a few times for work. Ryan Gash Brewery, one of my favorites uh, in the nation, really. Yeah, it's just a super blue-collar place and always enjoy coming here, so... But yeah, wrong wrong Panthers game to come to. Whatever. <laughs> I was wondering why you're in Cincinnati. I didn't know like you would just make that trip for for a game. So I figured you were there for yeah. some specific reason. But uh, I, I'm actually going to the game on Thursday, Thursday night. It's just weird how the Panthers are like seemingly in the NFC South race, but not really because they're just so bad. But you know, just a yeah. couple wins here or there against their divisional opponents, and they can you know seemingly back be back in the hunt there yeah um, i mean yesterday was it was weird because the defense you know has been really really good you know certainly yeah. the front seven has seemed solid all season and i mean they just the Bengals did whatever they wanted ran the football really effectively so that was a bummer but anyways hey look the panthers they need a top five pick just like the horns do right. and need to draft you know a really good player uh primarily for the panthers a quarterback so 
whatever, no harm, no foul. But it was nice to – it was a beautiful day up here. So it was great to get out and see some football. Good, good. So before we get into the recap of the Wizards game, I'd love to quickly chat about the end of the game against the Nets on Saturday night. Charlotte had a 12-point lead that they blew in the final six and a half minutes of the game. KD was inserted. Uh, That was when the tide started to turn a little bit. I remember turning to the person beside me in the arena and saying, you know, obviously we have a 12-point lead here, but let's see if we can hold this as Durant hasn't played a single minute left in this fourth quarter. Uh, He's such a difficult guard because if you play him straight up, he's going to find ways to beat you. But if you trap or double, he's smart and he's willing to pass over the top of you. But, uh, man, the the Nets definitely picked on Plumlee, and they put him through pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll, and the team just couldn't navigate around that, and uh, that 12-point lead evaporated fairly quickly. So I know that there has been some conversation with this center rotation with Richards and Mason Plumlee and just not seeing a ton of P.J. at the five. And then obviously Mark Williams has bounced down to Greensboro. Now he's back up with Charlotte. I don't know what your thoughts are or you know, what your feelings were at the end of the game. Uh, I know that I had some strong feelings when it came to the way that Clifford handled that. I think what was difficult was the fact that uh, Nick Richards did play those first like five or six minutes of that quarter. So it was very hard to obviously you know, not, not give him a breather. You had to give him that. But at some point, the way that they were just picking on Plumlee makes you wonder could they have done something differently whether that was playing pj at the five or whether that was you know if you're going to go big i've said this like if you're going to exploit some kind of big advantage that they have it's not with mason mason's not going to bruise anyone uh, in the post so just talk about your thoughts there uh the way that the nets were able to come back uh in charlotte on saturday night yeah i mean you know yeah durant you get into a half court situation i mean you know like you mentioned Clifford laid it out well. Like, you know, he's a, you got to throw doubles at him when the game slows down at the end and he can beat you over the top of the shot and he can beat you over the top of the pass uh, because he can see over the top of double teams. So it's, it's just so hard with him, obviously, but we've heard that for years. You know, when it comes to the whole Plumlee conversation, Richie, honestly, like I, I, I just, I just don't get it why he's out there at the end of any game, regardless of the opponent. Uh, he's been fine this year. I, you know, I'm not uh, – look, Plumley. they've run a lot of their offense through him this year from the high post, and he is a good passer. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he, he does a lot of good things. I mean, he hustles on defense. You know, he's you got to play drop. He's not a rim protector. He's not a, a, an enforcer or presence like Richards is. So all that to say – you know, Plumlee has been good for Charlotte this year. He's overtaxed in his role, but like to have him out there in these last two games, specifically close games at the end, like I, j- I just don't get it. Like, I, if you're actually trying to win basketball games, I don't understand why he's out there, A, without PJ Washington being at the five, or B, without Nick Richards being in that spot. As, as the center and PJ playing four, like I just don't understand how you think you're playing winning basketball or actually trying to win a game by having Plumlee on the floor in, in that moment. Like, 
let's just pretend like Nick Richards on the floor instead of Mason Plumlee and just talk about offense. Can you run high post offense out of Nick Richards? No, but the Hornets are lost in the half court. They're, they're lost. I mean, you, just, you, you watch them for half a quarter and you're like, oh, my God, this team cannot score consistently in the half court. So at least what Nick Richards does is bring you scrap yard, you know, you know, scrappy junkyard offensive rebounding, keeping balls alive that leads to, you know, tap outs or offensive rebound, throw it back out threes, like that kind of stuff. Like to me, that is a much more logical formula to winning half-court basketball when the game slows down than whatever Mason Plumlee is bringing you. But I'm not saying they're actually trying to win games either. <laughs> so <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, I love your uh, conspiracy theories. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't think Nick Richards would have fared much better in those pick and roll situations, but I just think that he could have given him something on the offensive end. Uh, let's go ahead and get into tonight's game against the Wizards. It went final 108 100. Hornets drop their fifth straight game. They fall to three and eight with their record. The three-point shot was not falling for either team, but the Hornets made just five of 32 the last time I checked. I don't know if that changed because we started recording this with about a minute left to play. You know, they, they tried to get to the rim. They tried to withstand some of their deficiencies in the offensive uh, half court, as Spencer was talking about. Whenever they needed a three-point shot, they just couldn't get it to drop. And there just was seems like a variety of, like, odd and silly fouls and violations tonight that just made you shake your head and it it really prevented the Hornets from taking any kind of momentum and getting a lead. Plumlee got into some foul trouble early in this game. Book traveled. The the travel was the funniest part to me because he 
the worst part was like he didn't even realize that he was traveling. Like he was so confused that he did something wrong in that situation. So all these different things that just kind of added up when you couple that with the fact that the the team is just really trying to steal points whether that's in transition or on the offensive glass with Nick Richards. And this offense is just so hard to watch when they're missing so many key players that are necessary for you know the success on that end of the court. So Hayward and LaMelo and even Cody Martin to an extent can add something that this team just doesn't have right now. So again, the offensive half-court situation was just very much uh, a common trend that we're seeing recently and, you know, as much as Clifford has improved the defense, it's not to the point to where they can overcome, you know, the offense that we saw tonight. No question. Uh, you know, I, and, and another really good defensive performance from this team. I mean, honestly, like they're they're well connected. They play hard. They get over screens. I mean, Dennis Smith, <laughs> like I, I was thinking during actually in the fourth quarter, Richie, like if he gosh, if, if he was just semi almost close to average as a shooter at the point guard position or at the guard position in general, like, Oh my gosh, what would we have here? You know, but you know, that that's the piece that's missing, but it's really fun to watch him play. I mean, he makes, makes plays off the ball, makes plays in the passing lane, just getting his hands in there. He's got super strong hands. When he goes for a ball, he's getting his hands on it and he's affecting where that ball goes. You know, you know, you, you can see guys reach for it a lot. Rarely do you see somebody every time they reach for it, they're either going to commit a foul, the ball's going the other way, or they're going to they're going to rip it out. And he's one of those guys. And uh, and then obviously on the ball, he's been a, a a huge difference maker. But I thought Charlotte tonight. I mean, you brought it up. Like a lot of the mid range game for Washington was pretty ridiculous. And um, I was saying. A, a, yeah, and a fair chunk of those were open shots. You know, Charlotte's going to play that drop coverage, which is inviting, you know, long to semi-long mid-range jump shots. Um, but they made a lot of them. They made a lot of tough ones. Um, and that's kind of been something that's followed Charlotte everywhere this year. I mean, it's good. You want to give up mid-range shots. But when the opponent is making them uh, a lot, which has been the case for Charlotte this season – you know, it turns into less of a good strategy, right? Um, Washington as well tonight shot 76% at the rim. That's a huge number, definitely not good enough. Uh, Charlotte protected the rim pretty well in terms of, like, how many shots Washington got from there, but it, it did. I, I agree with what you just said. It seemed like a lot of stupid fouls from Charlotte, a lot of long twos going in for Washington, just like wrong place, wrong time, kind of whistles, and balls bouncing in the in the wrong direction, and and shots at the end of a shot clock, or you know when yeah. it seems like somebody's got a hand in the face, you know that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know, it's ugly. I mean, I to me, honestly, and we can go wherever you want with this, but it boils down to Charlotte's just they they just really cannot score in the half court right now. Tonight, get this, Charlotte in the half court tonight, less than. 0.75 points per possession in the half court. That's, I mean, <laughs> there's, yeah. there's some high school teams out there that might be able to do a little better than that. So it's as bad as it could get. They just can't space the floor. You know, it's nice to have Rozier back, but when you have Dennis Smith Jr. out there, you got, you know, we saw Maldon out there a little bit tonight. Jalen McDaniels couldn't make anything. Like they just they have nothing that resembles floor spacing. And I, I really 
really recognized in the first half that I thought the Wizards were they're almost reluctant to like come out of like two or three feet behind the three point line. Like unless it was Rozier or somebody you really knew who could, you know, could threaten you, which Rozier is really the only guy, like they were just going under everything and just like, there's no path to the rim for you. So you're going to have to take this shot. And that's going to be the scout on them for the rest of the season. It's, it's ugly in the half court. Yeah, that half court stat was definitely alarming. And, and like I mentioned, they, they tried to steal points, whether it was through the offensive glass or through transition, because you're going to have to do that. And I guess, I guess Terry Rozier's return has been timely uh, in that sense, in terms of making it a little bit more watchable on that end. Um, I think there's a lot of dribbling on his end, you know, for better or for worse, uh, just to kind of get things going offensively. He just knows that he has to make things happen within the half court with LaMelo and Hayward out and, you know, sometimes that does look like a lot of ISOs and over dribbling, but you know, he can still get things going when he runs off of screens and DHOs to, and kind of use that to his advantage. The biggest thing for me is if he can just continue to make quick decisions and rise up and shoot off of those quick decisions, I really have no issues with the volume of shots that he takes right now, especially with the current situation that the Hornets have going on uh, with their injuries. Uh, You did mention DSJ. If he could just be somewhat average on the offensive end, not that he's not playable, but uh, he would be more playable in situations where uh, offense is needed. If you just watch him play defense, he's just so feisty and active on that end. It's actually fun to watch because the Hornets just aren't used to having someone like that at the point of attack. Like, just watch the way he chops his feet. He gets into the chest of his opponents. He's like a brick wall, and he knows that if opponents are backpedaling or they pick up their dribble, he's going to be right up in their space. It's that type of energy that we've been dying to see on that end of the court, even though his offensive game really doesn't match that. PJ Washington, I thought, if you know, for spurts, he had that nice little run in the third quarter, played well. I think the Hornets made a concerted effort to get him going in the post. He attacked Kispert early on. He even had uh, a post bucket score against Kispert in the final five minutes of this game to keep the game relatively close. Um, and I, I'll say this with PJ, whether it was this game or just kind of in general. I know we've seen like this like up and down wave with him with his like off the dribble shooting this year, but it's just so interesting to see his versatility with the way that he can score. He almost looks like a wing out there with the way he's, you know, being comfortable with the ball in his hands. And some of his shots off the dribble tonight were just way off, like they wouldn't even hit rim. But coming off the bounce, shooting off the bounce. He just looks so fluid with it that at least it looks nice until it gets close to the rim at at some points. But you try to get him in different spots. You like the ability where he can get points being aggressive in situations where you know he has the advantage. And like I said, in the third quarter, I think he scored nine points in that quarter, scored in a variety of ways, slips, pick and rolls, you know, fading to the corner and transition threes and stuff like that. So, you know, I like the comfort with the ball in his hands, even though I feel like this season has kind of been up and down in terms of that off the dribble shooting stuff. So just thought I would highlight PJ there as well. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought a lot, I've thought a lot about him this season watching him because he's gotten a lot of opportunities, you know, offensively that maybe he wouldn't when this team's at full strength, certainly when Gordon Hayward's in there. I mean, I, you know, you mentioned a second ago that 
you know, his off the dribble stuff, how impressive it is, you know, the fluidity of it, you know, it, it looks, it kind of looks aesthetically like it should right, work right. more often than it does sometimes. And that's, I mean, honestly, I can remember watching his tape at Kentucky and you didn't, obviously you saw it a lot less there than you did here, but like, remember seeing that some and be like, man, there, there's like actually, you know, he played center there, but you, you saw you know, you just saw it in spurts, you know, with his tape in Kentucky. And you're like, man, there's really something to tap into. And maybe he can continue to develop um, in that like three, four hybrid kind of role with his, you know, taking somebody off the dribble, pull up shooting. I, I still think PJ Washington's best offensive skill is back to the basket, matchup beater, mm-hmm. get to his right hand. He's really good at that little right handed hook in the paint. Like that is a very, very efficient shot for him. Um, and then he's super physical, you know, so he can get to the line when he can get his shoulder into other players. But I, I just think he's, I think we're asking too much of PJ Washington to do anything out of one or two dribbles facing the basket. Just my opinion. I, you know, we'll see where it goes for him. Obviously Hornets didn't extend him. So we, we're not even sure he's going to be on the roster next year, but I would be skeptical. I, I, I would, yes, I, I think that's fair to say. I would be pretty skeptical to think that like there's more off the dribble offensive skill to tap into on PJ Washington. I think he's a catch and shoot guy, and I think he's a matchup beater. And anything above and beyond that that you're asking from him, you're probably asking too much. Uh, I think I've seen enough at this point. And not that he can't do it. I mean, again, we've talked about that he can't. We've seen it. I just – I don't see a guy that's real confident in that aspect of his game. You know, he's coming up on the end of his rookie deal, so he's yeah. not going to get that many more opportunities to do that kind of stuff. So, But, but a good night. Another efficient night for P.J. Yeah, probably one of the few that was efficient tonight. Two other players I do want to mention, uh, and one I do want to get your opinion on, or, or, or both. Uh, Jalen McDaniels tonight, you mentioned him not shooting the ball uh, very well and not being all that efficient. Uh, but he does all the little things to me that always shows up when you just watch the game and not necessarily in the box score. He had a very good like dig on Hachimura to get the strip steal and got behind two Wizards for a transition bucket. I will say that even though I've noticed this over the past like three or four games with him, and it's not, not just him, but Clifford has trusted him with taking the ball up the court, off a rebound, off a make. And we've seen slight improvements with the the on-the-ball stuff with him. But he is still a little bit weak as he's dribbling through traffic, and he loses the ball a little bit too frequently for my taste, especially if he's trying to like split a double team or if there's any kind of contact on his way to the rim. It, It just feels like his handle gets a little bit loose. But, you know, that's something that will come with time. Hopefully, hopefully he can, you know, get a little bit stronger on the ball, but just like physically stronger so that he's not losing the ball as frequently. I think he even forced a jump ball in this game. So just just the little things with Jalen, I, I love to pinpoint. And then book night, I cannot tell. I cannot tell if he's making strides or not. I, I really can't. I'm, I'm just trying to hold out hope with this guy and, and be as positive as possible. And I'm trying to look for all the positives that I can with him. And I still wonder, and I, I kind of want your opinion on this, where his role is when Martin comes back and when LaMelo comes back with the backcourt, where do you see his minutes going? I guess one thing that I just want to highlight with JB uh, is the fact that he has been 
fairly decent on the defensive glass recently and just, you know, attacking the ball at its highest point. Uh, and this allows him to be good in transition as well and just being aggressive and assertive in that end. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how, how you feel about Book Knight, how positive you are on him. I'm, I'm trying to find all the all the positives I can with him. But, you know, his rebounding has been good, so I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll make Daniels first. I mean, I mean, look, he, he does the dirty stuff. He's such a hardworking defensive player, you know, doesn't have the physique you would like, you know, not a not a guy you can switch on to a lot of different positions and he can hold up, certainly not in the front court. But, boy, he, he, he's really a Clifford kind of guy. I mean, I think uh, three blocks, two steals tonight. I mean, just making an impact on that end pretty consistently. You just want more from him offensively, especially in the shooting department. Like, I think he's – very, very, very overtaxed in the ball handling category right now. Um, but, you know, Charlotte doesn't have any choice. Like, they just don't – you know, when Rosier's on the bench, we've talked about it already. Like, there, there's just guys in this roster that are not meant to dribble more than two or three times uh, a quarter probably that are having to dribble two or three times a possession. And that's just the reality of, of, the, of this roster right now because of injuries. And, yeah, you can tell. Jalen McDaniels constantly gets the ball taken away. The high dribble, can't get through traffic, you know, can't really drive in a straight line very often if he's got, you know, two guys collapsing on the gap. So uh, I like McDaniels. I, I, I'm i kind of at the point where I'm like, you can tell me he's going to be a rotational NBA player for another 10 years, and you can tell me he's out of the NBA in two years. And I would tell you – I. It, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure where I would yeah. lean on that. I mean, really, like he, he's he's one of those dudes. In terms of James Booknight, I, I'm not super optimistic. I'll be honest. Like, I it, it jumps up. His talent and ability jump off the screen at you so quickly. Like his first step, his ability to slash, to get to the rim, his length. I mean, he had a nice left-handed layup tonight where. Yeah. It was like a semi-pump fake, but he also looked confused. And then defender, I don't remember who it was, maybe it was Kuzma, kind of jumped at him and, you know, Booktime was kind of like, oh, I just have the entire lane. And just took two, you know, long strides, rather casual long strides, and boom, he's right there at the rim. Like, he has all the tools. There is absolutely no question about that. That's obvious. I just watch a guy that – I mean – Sometimes, Richie, for me, it's like just the eye test thing. Like how comfortable does this guy look? Like how confident does he play just like watching his body language? And he is – he has the worst of the worst kind of body language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And and look, we've we've got a few clues about some things that are going on uh, off the court for him right now. So that's not like super surprising. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's getting an opportunity, and I'm kind of surprised by that, you know, with Steve Clifford as the head coach. I wouldn't bet on it. I would not bet on James Booknight working out. I, and that's probably the pessimist to me, and you, you're over there saying, hey, yeah, I'm looking for all the good things. Right, I'm an right. optimist. I, I just I – don't, I don't see it. I really don't. I mean, the over-dribbling and the, the backing out and the, like, is he going to pull up right now or is he just going to get off of it? after he just dribbled it five or six times is like, shouldn't we, shouldn't we kind of sort of be past that now? And, and look, you and Brian, or was it you and Lee? No, I think it was you and Brian earlier in the season. I think it was 
actually before the regular season had a podcast and you guys talked about, you know, just putting him in advantageous situations. And I think that Charlotte has, has started to try to do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've used him on pin downs. They've, you know, inserted him into this offensive action that, that they like to run, you know, with Plumlee at the high post, bringing him off a little pin down screen, a little handoff, but like he, he just does not have the confidence to get downhill right now with the basketball. He, he, it's, it's very, very obvious that it's hard for him to do it. You know, the light can come on at any time, but boy, going off what I have right now, I, I don't, I don't see that light coming on anytime soon. And it feels like he's got to make his move now. If Melo comes back and Cody Martin comes back and, and things like that, this is his chance, right? You know, this yeah. is his chance to take advantage of the situation. Um, just not putting a lot of consistency from you know for the forty-eight minutes. All right, we're we're gonna wrap here with Ian uh, as a speaker. So Ian, go ahead and uh, give us your thoughts. Awesome. Um, my my thoughts are I really kind of wanted to ask you guys about coaching a little bit. Um, I was watching this game, and anybody who watched it, I think, can tell that the offense didn't generate looks for anything. Um, so. I was wondering if you guys thought it was a hot take because I don't think it's a hot take. I feel like if James Borrego was still the coach of the Hornets, some better looks would have been generated because this game seemed very winnable. And I was kind of looking at the stats and it looked like the Hornets won a lot of like the rebounding game, like steals and blocks, things like that. They just couldn't get any shots at all. Uh, I know injuries are obviously the big thing, you know, like your best offensive players are out. But I was wondering if you guys um, – thought that was a hot take or had a thought on that. And I wondered if, if there's any chance since we started the season on a five game losing streak, 11 games in, if there's any chance that uh, Steve Clifford might get fired at some point in the season. So I want to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah. I don't know how much of a hot take that is. I think that JB was definitely an offensive oriented coach while Clifford is the opposite. Uh, you do have to take into consideration the injuries, like you mentioned, Ian. And I think that's probably the biggest factor right now. Clifford has not coached a single regular season game with LaMelo Ball as his point guard. So it's it's very hard to work around that in the personnel. And I know that Clifford has stressed the importance of pushing and transition. And when you're missing your best player that can not only rebound, but also be a player that can start and ignite the offense on that end in terms of getting live rebounds and steals and all that different type of stuff. I think that we need to be in wait and see mode in terms of what he can get out of that. I do think to, to Ian's point that maybe, you know, offensively things would have looked a little bit differently tonight had Borrego still been the coach, uh, but you could probably make the case on the opposite end of the court that Borrego's not getting the best out of some of these fringe players. I personally don't think, I mean, who knows where the record's going to be come, you know, January one, but I find it hard to believe that they would actually fire Clifford. It just just with the hand that he's been dealt uh, with all the offseason stuff that he's had to deal with and just some of the injuries that are piling up right now. But Spencer, thoughts on this uh, this question from Ian? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the offense, like I, I just think you know their hands are kind of tied right now, Ian. I like I there's no spacing on this roster, uh, especially when you're always going to play a traditional five. You know, with Plumley and Richards, it's there's there's just nobody that can shoot. I mean, outside of Rosier right now, uh, there's nobody you can really count on to make consistent shots. I mean, Ubre of course has had his moments this season, uh, but outside of those two guys, there, there's just no spacing. So, and, and it was clear Washington 
had that well scouted tonight. They were sinking in. I was mentioning that earlier in the podcast. You know, in terms of Steve Clifford getting fired, I, I, I would be I would be very, very surprised. I, you know, the expectations were low coming into the season, even before you factored in the LaMelo injury, you know, the Hayward injury, uh, all these guys that we've got out right now. So I would be surprised. And, and, and I don't think that it certainly was not my expectation that Steve Clifford was the long-term solution in Charlotte. You know, they had Kenny Atkinson, <laughs> what they thought, you know, uh, in the bag and, and signed, sealed and delivered, and next head coach of Charlotte. And then, you know, overnight he says, no, I'm good here. And so, you know, Steve Clifford, whether we want to admit it or not, is probably a little bit of a, you know, a lame duck coach. <laughs> I mean, you know, and I love Steve Clifford. I, I'm I'm here uh, for Steve Clifford every single day of the week. I think he's a really good coach. Is he a little outdated? Absolutely. And it's certainly on the offensive end. But, you know, he's not the long-term solution. Charlotte had to put a Band-Aid on a, on a, on a, on a gash quickly, and that's what they did. I, I just think the writing's on the wall. Like, you know, I, I remember me, you, and uh, Brian were talking about this earlier in the year, Richie, but, like, this LaMelo ball injury – and he's going to be fine. Lamelo's going to be fine. It's not something super serious. And you know, I saw Rod Boone's video earlier in the night. It looks like he's moving around okay. He's moving good. He's moving good. Yeah, probably probably pretty close to returning. But like now, you look at the Hornets' record without him, and you're like, this is. I think it was a blessing in disguise. I really do. Like for them to just be this far behind the eight ball this earlier in the year with this draft class coming up, like. It sucks to go through it, but it's what the franchise needs. Like, we need to win 25 games this year. We just do. That's the way this league works. The way the rules are made, like, I I don't like losing either. I would never lose on purpose, I don't think. Uh, I say that, and I probably would, though, if I was in the worst situation. But, I, I, you know, I think that LaMelo injury, we'll look back on it and be like, thank goodness his ankle's okay, and also thank goodness he turned it in the first place. It's funny, you look at the uh, standings right now, and the Hornets have eight losses, which is uh, tied for the most in the Eastern Conference. Yes, it's only 11 games into the season, but at 3-8, and eight, uh, they are only above the Pistons and the Magic, who are 2-8 and eight currently. I know there's some games going on right now. I guess all teams are playing tonight uh, with nobody playing on Tuesday. So uh, we'll go ahead and wrap here, but I do want to let everyone know that's still here that we do have a giveaway going on, and anyone that's listening to this on the podcast version so if you're in here, you actually get like a, a head start on this. Uh, if you want to get BuzzBeat Plus for the remainder of the 2022 calendar year, so till December 31st, uh, we can have up to seven winners. And what you need to do is download the Substack app, click on the chat icon at the bottom of the app, hop into the thread that says giveaway, and then just follow the directions. We will have up to seven winners or we can have zero winners if no one actually does this. But this all needs to be done before 11 a.m. on Tuesday, November 8th, which is probably the time that most of you guys are listening to this. So it may be too late depending on when you are. But if you would like early access to content and all the perks that come with Busby Plus, take a look at the Substack app and uh, look at our chat feature where you go into that thread. So next two games, Spencer, uh, we have a back-to-back on Wednesday, Thursday with the Blazers and Miami. Do you have any parting thoughts as we uh, wrap up this episode here? 
Yeah, I mean, not really. Other than it would like to, you know, it, it would be nice to see uh, Lamelo get back. Um, some of these guys get healthy, and really, primarily Lamelo. Like, let's, yeah. you know, I know Hornets fans are, are kind of going through it right now. It sucks. Um, if you're a Charlotte sports fan, you got the Panthers to deal with too. So, like, <laughs> we kind of deserve something here. So, it would be nice to see Lamelo come back and have some good games, um, look like himself. Maybe help Charlotte get a few wins, and then eh, maybe two or three weeks from now, have a mysterious hamstring injury, and then and then we'll all be good. We'll feel good about next season, knowing we get can have a top five pick. <laughs> yeah, at least at least make the basketball a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, whether it results in more wins or not, uh, that's kind of beside the point here. So, thanks so much, guys, for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys later. Go Hornets, and take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.